the IZ Robot Stuck at Home Show. Hey kids, it's me, IZ Robots, and we are back for episode number 10 of the Stuck at Home Show. That's, that's wild, right? That's like, that's like quite a, uh, a lot of episodes in a short period of time, but I don't know, man. What else, what else do I got to do but like sit around and chit-chat with you guys? I don't know, it's, uh... It's not a bad way to live. At, at, at any rate, I'm, I'm at the house. That that didn't even need to be stated. Of course, I'm at the house. I'm inside. I'm inside the Earth base right now, just kicking, kicking and flicking bugs. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's just another day in paradise. But I, I got a, I got a package. I got a package in the mail, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to uh, check out the content. So I, I jumped on the mic right now so that I can, I can share this moment with you guys. Like. Like I was telling you, um, I think it was two episodes back. I, I'm I'm starting to, I'm starting to dabble in the world of um other GI Joe collectibles. When I say other, I mean aside from action figures and toys. What I'm what I'm talking about is these other things that they would make that you would, you would find at like drugstores or toy stores. Things like sunglasses, toothbrushes. banks, uh, pen holders, pencils, folders. You know what I'm talking about. Just related G.I. Joe merchandise, and I I started doing some searches on eBay. I got a lot of time around the house, as you guys know. You have it, too, and I, I like to poke about eBay and, and, and look at stuff, and I don't know if this is true for you, but, um, my, uh, my output of cash into the world has gone almost down to zero. What I mean is, outside of bills and whatever, I'm not spending like any money at all because I'm just I'm at home. I'm not going to the movies. I'm not going to the dig. I'm not going to the flea market. I'm not doing anything. Not going to the record store. Not going to Crystal's Corners. None of these. None of these things. So I I have um a little bit of extra money. So I've been, I've been buying stuff on eBay like just left and right. I. I know I shouldn't, but when I'm when I'm poking around and I see stuff at um a good price, I I sometimes can't pass it up, especially especially when I'm just like I'm not out in the world spending money, so I got tons of dough. So I I put a bid in on something that I think that's what's in this box. I went ahead and cut a slit so that I I wouldn't have to do it on the air. I think I think there's something fun in the here. Oh look at this! They used uh cotton as packing material, like like pillow stuffing. Like they cut open a stuffed animal. That's that's really weird. Some of the stuff people use is packing. I get it. It's not really a big deal, and it doesn't doesn't bother me. But uh, it's kind of weird to open up a box and have it have like stuffed animal innards in there. But I, I got the innards out. There's a lot of innards in here, man. Lots and lots. And then looks like the thing that I got is right here. It's in a plastic bag, sealed plastic bag, and it's. And it's tape. Looked like it's made it to me in good condition. Let me, uh, let me dig in. That's what matters the most. They can use all the weird packing they want, and it's all fine. Unless it's packing peanuts. None of that. But, um, as long as it makes it to you, fine. I, I don't really sweat it that much. What I got is a G.I. Joe mini soap and a mini soap holder. On the front of the uh, holder is a picture of, I believe it's Leatherneck. I cannot tell... Because there is a Revco price tag right across his face. I may at some point pull that off. But as for now, I will not. It also comes with a mini bar of G.I. Joe soap that has, it looks like sci-fi and dial tone. And there's Lifeline fighting a giant snake on, on, on the packaging. This is pretty cool. It's smaller than I thought. It's maybe, maybe like two and a half inches by two inches. It's kind of... 
maybe three by two. It's um, you know, it's a it's a rectangle like a bar, like a bar of soap is. But it's pretty neat. I like things like this a lot, and I I'm starting to get more into that. I have a um, like a few watched watch sales out there for things. I have um, band aids. I have a GI Joe band aid pack that I'm watching. A GI Joe hairbrush, a comb that I'm looking at. I. I like all these things. Already right now in my G.I. Joe collection, I have a, like a, a plate. I have a G.I. Joe plate and a bowl. Those are both neat and I like them. I have a chapstick in the package. G.I. Joe chapstick in the package. And I have uh, some tissue, some Kleenex also, also in the package. And I have like a really small pair of like G.I. Joe swim trunks for like a child. I have those. And then I have a, I have a cake pan. That has Duke on it. Every year, I want my wife to make me a Duke cake for my birthday. But I forget. I forget about it, and then it never, never happens. And then I have a, uh, a puzzle. Speaking of puzzles, I was with uh, the wife in the house. That goes without saying again. And she was like, hey, I just finished this puzzle that I had. She she found some puzzle somewhere, and she, she's she been, been working on it, and she... She was finished with it, or just about finished, and she was like, do you, uh, do you have any other puzzles that maybe I can do? And, as you know, and as you probably are too to some degree, I'm, I'm a pop culture collector, so I, I was like, do I got puzzles? I got puzzles, let me tell you, because they make puzzles for just about everything. And while I'm not a puzzle dude myself, I, I can't pass up on some of these things. Let me break down some of the puzzles I brought out to her when she was like, do you have any puzzles? I gave her a, uh, a set of three different Pac-Man puzzles, a puzzle of Captain America, a puzzle of the old school Avengers, a giant Star Trek puzzle, I gave her a G.I. Joe puzzle, and then the coup de grace of my puzzle collection, I gave her a vintage Planet of the Apes puzzle that she's going to start on any day. I I don't have, like, an affinity for puzzles. I mean, I, I can definitely see how it'll, it'll pass the time, but I, I need something a little more... A little more involved than than that. Like I need to read a book, or I need to work on my Rubik's cube, or something. Something a little more involved. Not, I'm not saying puzzles aren't involved because they are, but I just I don't know. I don't feel it, man. I don't feel it in my bones like I do some other things. But she's into it, so it's all it's all cool. When she finishes the uh, apes puzzle, I'll I'll get her to send a pic over to you guys. I I wonder. What kind of a little, like, mindless activities are you guys doing to pass the time? Like, what's what's it for you? I have been reading. I've been doing that. I got a bunch of old toy magazines. I pulled them out of the garage. I I am a magazine hoarder. I, I just, I can't bear to throw away, like, a good magazine. Not all magazines by any means, but, like, a cool magazine. I can't, I can't bear to toss them. So I have them, like, filed all over the place. So I brought out a bunch of, like, uh, toy fairs. Action figure review, uh, Lee's toy magazine. I got so many of these, and I, I've been digging through those, and that's that's fun. I um I'm reading a book right now on my Kindle. It's uh, a biography of Al Snow, the wrestler Al Snow, and believe it or not, it's like actually pretty interesting. Dude had, dude had some weird stuff coming up. At one point, he was doing uh illegal bare knuckle barn fighting. He trained Dan Severin for the uh, Ultimate Fighting. It's it's a cool book. I would recommend it if you um if you're into wrestling at all. If you're not into wrestling, that's going to be super boring. But if you like wrestling and you like wrestling bios, this one is not as bad as I thought it would be. It's actually 
quite great. I've been listening to music. I don't think that really, like, absolutely counts as an activity. I think that, for the most part, my brainless activity of, uh, of the time right now is doing this. Not to say this is, this is brainless, but I, I'm doing this, like, every day. I'm doing it for a while every day, making bits, producing bits, working on stuff. And I gotta say, I appreciate that because it's keeping me, keeping me going. It's nice to have a mission. I got a mission to get these out, and it's nice to have a mission. It really... Really uh, makes this all easier. Do you guys have a mission? Do you have, like, something you're working on? I know a lot of you guys are still, like, working from home. Like, you're doing your work work. And that's great because that's that's a mission. But if you're just, like, out, if you're out of work, what are, what are you doing when you're at home? Like, what is your mission? What keeps what keeps you going? That's, that's definitely, definitely crucial. You can't, you can't just float around and watch TV, even though that's fun. And I do, um, I do watch... Probably more TV than I would like to admit right now. I'm doing a rewatch of Fargo season two. I've been watching all sorts of weird stuff on Tubi. Oh, Tubi is an awesome streaming app. I'm sure that you guys all know that if you're into the retro thing in any way. Tubi's dope. I watched a movie on there about this dude who was trying to trying to get a record on a game called Nibbler. Was it Nibbler? Man vs. Snake? Was that the name of the movie? I don't even know. This game Nibbler, I'm in no way familiar with it at all. But in 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 the the movie, the this guy whose name was uh, Tim McVeigh, he broke the Nibbler record. He got a billion points in Nibbler, and then somebody in Europe broke his record. And then another guy comes in and tries to break this record. And there's there's controversy, and there's this, and there's that. And then all the while, the guy Tim McVeigh is trying to he's trying to get his record back. He's trying to get himself ready to go for the Nibbler record. I'm not even kidding when I say you gotta go for like three days straight at this. It's harsh. I do not think I can do it. I am awful at like old school video games. I don't have the, uh, I don't have the dexterity to be great at it. I'm just not. There are a couple of games I'm decent at, but there's no way I'm able to play that long on like a single quarter. I mean, obviously nobody can except for Tim McVeigh himself, but I I just couldn't do it. Billy Mitchell is in the movie. The compelling character, Billy Mitchell. If you like King of Kong, you'll like this for sure. Uh, you can find it on Tubi. Check that out. It was great. I, I'm just saying, you gotta find something important to work on. You gotta find something fun to do, something that keeps you occupied. Let me know what that is. At Icy Robot. Someday, a hundred years from now, CNN will announce that the 85-year-old world record on Nibbler has been finally broken. It is me, and we are back. We are back with uh, some thoughts from the Calgon. I was I was taking my soak the other night. It was a well earned soak. I'd done some exercising. I I had a bit of soreness in my knee and my elbow, so the uh, the hot water and the floating bubbles were gonna they were gonna do your dude some good. So I, I was kicking back, and I had a magazine. I had a magazine that was about the uh, the world of magic, not the world of Magic the Gathering, the world of like a uh, sleight of hand. And uh, stuff like that. I picked this magazine up at the flea market. I don't know why or where. I don't recall. I found it. I found it under the couch in the office. I had like three or four of these. The magazine is just called. It's just called Magic, and it's it's pretty weird. It has like bios of famous magicians and 
articles on the origins of like different tricks and then um in the back there's like there's like a yellow pages with different magic tricks and illusions that you can buy plans for different illusions that you can that you can build. It's fun. I I like magazines that take a look inside of subcultures that I'm not incredibly familiar with. Like the world of a the world of magic. There were some fun articles about the early days of Penn and Teller in San Francisco and stuff and whatever. But um I was I was laying there and I, I looked off onto the uh windowsill. And there's a cactus. There's a cactus there. It's been there since since forever. And I'm looking at this cactus, and I started thinking about the um, long history that I've had uh, with this cactus. This cactus came with us from our old house. I've had this, I've had this guy for like 20 years now. Let me let me give you the quick rundown. I was out one day with this guy that I knew named Jason. And me and Jason were driving around in his car, heading down Santa Rosa Avenue. I think that. I think that we actually might have been going to Toys R Us, but I'm not like a thousand percent sure. But we were we were heading out that way, and on on the route, I saw I saw this big sign that said Cactus Sale, and it was in uh, on the front of this building that we've driven by like a million times. It's it's near Willie Bird's uh, Willie Bird's Turkey, and and we we went by there, and then like in all the years I've, I've I've passed this building, I've never seen it open. I've never seen in any any way, like any kind of just activity at there at all. I had assumed it was abandoned. I had never, not never, like ever gone in there. And honestly, I didn't even think that that I would. At some point, this place must have been like a garage or an auto body place because it had like that giant like pull-up door. And just, I don't know, based on the shape of the building and the style of it, it looked it looked like an auto body place or a mechanics place to me. So, you know, we, we got out of the car and we dipped over there, right? We, we stopped. I convinced them to stop. So we got... Out of the car, walked over there, and went inside, and the whole place was, like, full of shelves. Like, random shelves from random places, like bookshelves, uh, metal shelves, just you name it. Just any kind of thing that you could imagine that could hold something. And every, every like, level, every place that was available to put something on was a cactus. There were cactuses in coffee cups, there were cactuses in cereal bowls, cactuses in, like, cardboard boxes. There were just cactuses everywhere. I'm not even kidding. There were like a thousand different kinds of cactuses. It was it was crazy and there were like these two long-haired dudes with beards, kind of hippie, kind of rockery kind of guys and they're like, "What's up, bro? You guys here to check out the cactuses? You want to come see the uh, the cactus sale, dude? Let me let me show you around anything you want, you know. It's like maybe like a dollar, like $2, maybe like up to $5 if they're like really big, but they're they're all priced to move, bro. We got to get rid of these cactuses, you know." So he started, he started showing me around, and I'm just like, I'm looking at the cactuses, and I'm just, you know, kind of taking in the building and stuff, having having never been up inside there before, and I I found a cactus that I wanted. I found one. I felt like after this dude, like, showed me all around and everything, I had to, I had to get something. So I found a cactus in a small, it was like see-through plastic cup. At the bottom of the cup, there were two Two six-sided dice, like in like in Vegas. And on the side, it said craps, like you're shooting craps inside the cup, right? I'm just like, oh, this is funny. So I got it, and I brought it home, and I, I gave it to the wife, who was the girlfriend at the time. We were, we were living together, and I, I gave it to her. I'm like, oh, look, you know, I stopped, and I, I got you this. And she put it on the windsill, windowsill of the apartment that we were living in at the time, and it, it stayed there forever. Every once in a while, like a small, like a little uh, bead of cactus would grow out the side and pop off. It would like fall off to um to the ground. I guess 
I guess this is maybe one way cactuses propagate. I do not know, but we would get these little nodules and they would fall off. And we grew like, we grew like two or three different like siblings of craps over the years. And we, we have them around the house and the original craps, it's like, it's like a, like one of those cylindrical cactuses. It just goes up. It doesn't have like the arms out, like, like, um, like in cousin, uh, cousin Spike, Snoopy's cousin Spike. It's not like, it's not like one of those in the Arizona desert. It's just like straight up and down. And at, at points, it's gotten as tall as like 12, 13 inches up. It's very thin. It kind of looks like a tendril and it goes up. And a couple times it's broke and it's almost died. It's been very sick, but it's, it's still with us. It's still, uh, still sitting there where it's been for many, many years. Now it's in the, uh, in the, in, in the restroom window. It gets, it gets great sun. It loves it there. It's very, very long history with this plant. So I'm sitting there, you know, I'm soaking and I'm looking at it going, man, you and I have been together longer than, uh, the kid, the kid 2.0 has been, been alive. That's, uh, that's crazy. I've had you longer than any pet that I've had. Me and you craps, we go back a long way. The smart villain, chilling like Gilligan, out on an island, fishing with my string and bamboo. Power Records presents. Power Records presents. Power Records presents. I knew I would soon lose track of time, so I built a large wooden cross, and each day I cut a notch on it. A year passed. But I kept busy. The only company I had was the two cats and a dog which I had saved from my ship. But I wish I could teach you to talk so I could hear another voice. I stayed in my house and learned to weave baskets and make cooking pots from clay. Things were going well. Five more years passed. And now I've been here a total of eight years. I had captured a parrot and taught him to speak his name. It took two years. What's your name? I see robots. Hey, I see robots. Since we're all stuck at home and it's mad boring, why not record something? I mean, what else do you have to do? All right, it's me. It's another day. It's now tomorrow. The stuff I just recorded was yesterday. It's now today. It is Thursday. I, I'm all shaken up right now, dude. I, I took my morning walk over to the Pokestop. Right after the wife leaves for work, I just head right out. I try to... I try to um, hit the Pokestop, like, I don't know, as many times as I can, because I, I get a lot of nervous energy. And with everything going on, it's like nervous energy through the roof, so I I try to spend it by walking as much as I can. So I, I headed over there, and I'm going, I'm going through the middle school. That's like the center of my universe right now, and I'm going through the middle school. I'm about to go around a corner near the tennis court, and all of a sudden, this big brown dog came out. It was, it was some kind of a terrier mix. I'm not saying it was like a pit bull or whatever, but it was, it was like a mixed terrier of some type. It had that, it had that look about it. And it comes out and it starts barking at me like crazy, like really aggressive barking. Not like, not like friendly barking. Like some dogs are silly and they bark when they see people. This was barking like you're in my area and you better get back. And then it, it, it was like, it started showing its teeth, like it was baring its teeth, you know, how like it was pulling its lips back and showing me its, uh, its fangs, right? And I'm, I gotta admit, I'm afraid of dogs, not like completely, not like a phobia or anything, but when I see like loose dogs, like big dogs, and this was like a 40, 50 pound dog, it was like a big dog. When I see loose, big dogs, I'm wary. I wouldn't say it's a fear as much as it's like, I'm cautious. I know dogs can bite you, so I... 
I, 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 you know, I, I pay attention to my surroundings and I try to avoid weird situations like this. But the dog starts growling at me and I'm looking around and there are no owners anywhere to be seen. There is no one anywhere. So I'm just like, this dog got out. This might be trouble. I like when you're faced with a situation like this, you can deal with it in like a, a couple different ways. You can kind of you can kind of slowly back away and hope that the dog leaves you alone or you can. This is kind of how I usually handle it. And I get into the situation a lot because I walk my dog a lot. I go for walks a lot. I I'll yell, get back in like a real bass heavy tone, like get back. And usually the dog will just kind of get down and leave you alone. Dogs don't like to be yelled at. They're used to people being their commanders. I gave it the, I gave it the get back. And when I did that, it started to like, the hair on its back stood up and I'm like, oh man, this is not a good situation in any way at all. So I, I put my left arm forward. I was wearing a sweatshirt and I put my hand inside my sweatshirt and I stuck my left arm out Because I'm thinking, this dog's going to come at me. It's moving, it's moving closer to me. And one thing you have to do when you're in situations like this, you try not to back up, you try not to run because they'll chase you and they'll jump you from behind. So I'm just like, I lowered my stance and I stuck my arm out because I'm thinking, this dog is going to lunge at my arm and I'm going to try to fight it off with this arm and then drop some bombs with the right. I'm thinking, this is a real situation. And then I, I put my other hand inside my sweatshirt, just offer as much protection as I can. It's not much. And I crouch down and I'm just like, it's on. And the dog starts coming at me. It came at me. So first I like, I stuck my feet out because I'm thinking I can, I can fight it off with like some, some light, like forward leg kicks. So I'm, I'm throwing my leg out and I made contact with the dog a couple times, not heavy contact, but enough to let it know that like, I'm going to fight you. I'll fight you. I'm not going to run from you. And the dog didn't take that as any kind of a warning, and it starts it starts growling more, and it's barking more. It's like it's like when you see a guard dog in a movie, and they're going ape at somebody. It was going ape at me, and I, I decided I'm going to give it one more get back. So I gave it, like, my loudest, most booming get back, and the dog did not get back. But by this point, a person appeared. I, it's a person I've seen around my neighborhood. I have no opinion about him up until this point doesn't seem like a nice guy doesn't seem like a weird guy just seems like a guy and then he starts yelling at me like what are you doing just calm down and he'll leave you alone and i i said could you get your dog right because the dog is like it has its hackles up it's growling at me its tail is like down between its legs which i know is like scary and i'm like get your dog back and he's like no you calm down and i'm like get your dog back get your dog back for me And finally, he comes up and he grabs his dog by the collar and he starts like yelling at me. I don't even know what he said, but he's like yelling in my face. I just like, I turned and said, this isn't your private dog park. You need to keep your dog on a leash. And I walked away. I just walked away because I'm like, this is a time of a pandemic. I don't want to be near you arguing with you. I don't want to be like arguing and have like spit fly from your mouth. I want nothing to do with you. I just turned, said, not your private dog park, bro, and just walked away. And as I'm walking away, I can hear him yelling at me. He's, like, yelling at me like it's my fault. And I just, I put my hand up, like, just like, eh, and just stepped. But I got to tell you, man, I am pretty shaken up by this right now. I do not like confrontation of any sort. I'm a chill bro. I don't want to fight. I don't want to argue. I don't want anything like that. But I'm going to say this for the record. If you're the kind of person who takes your dog out in public off a leash. You're a jerk. If you don't like it, if you don't agree with me, 
quit listening, don't ever listen again. Having a dog is a big responsibility, and part of that responsibility is keeping your dog safe. And part of that, a big part of that, is keeping it on the leash. The dogs don't understand the way of the world. It's not like a dog understands traffic or a dog understands danger. They don't understand any of these things. You keep your dog on the leash to keep it safe. You keep it there to protect it. It's you protecting your dog. And on the other hand, keeping your dog on a leash is also protecting other people from your dog. I like dogs, but not everybody else does. Not everybody wants to see your dog running up on them. If you have a dog, it's a giant responsibility. And part of it is keeping your dog safe. Keep it on a leash. If you don't, you're a jerk. You are an absolute jerk. You're not the beast master. You have no ability to communicate with your dog through psychic means. Dogs don't speak English or whatever language you happen to speak. They may or may not listen to your voice commands. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You can't even control your kids with voice commands. Kids do what they want. They don't listen to you all the time. You cannot expect a dog, an animal, to listen to you. Don't be a jerk. If you can't keep your dog on a leash, keep your dog in your yard. All right, dudes, we are almost out of here. I just want to, I want to share one last thing before I head for the hills. I, I have like a small bin full of uh, G.I. Joe parts, like heads and arms and bodies and feet and all, all kinds of stuff. Wastes, guns, arms. I don't know. And I decided, why don't I try to take some of this, uh, some of this stuff that I have and make like a new dude out of it. I think... I think they call it kit bashing. I, I, I don't really do this all that often. I used to do it a couple times when I was a kid. I would I would sometimes take my dudes apart and it, it, it never worked out well. The dudes you make are like hardly ever as cool as the dudes they were when they started. But I I had parts, so I decided, hey man, why not uh give it a shot? So let me let me try and describe the dude that I made. His his legs are from a version of Snake Eyes. They look like leather pants with a silver belt. I used uh, Mainframe's body. He has like a gray uniform shirt. His his right arm is... No, his left arm is Mainframe. And his right arm is Major Blood. He has that robot arm that Major Blood came with. And then his head is that of a dial tone with, um, with a beret. He... He actually kind of looks like Saddam Hussein if you look um very very closely at the uh, at the head. I touched up his eyebrows a bit and I touched up his mustache a little bit and I kind of I had to do some work on his beret. I don't know where the rifle that I gave him came from. I I don't think that it's a G.I. Joe. It might be like a Lenard, like a core a corpse. I don't I don't know what they're called. Uh, those knockoff brand G.I. Joes, uh the core by Lenard. I think the gun is from that. And as far as I can tell, I think this, I think the backpack that I gave him is a, what is that guy's name? Is it Low Light? This might be Low Lights or maybe Beachhead's backpack. It's kind of cool. It has like a crossbow on it and all kinds of like weird accessories. But I, I like this guy. I like the way he looks. I, I made a uh, backup story for him. I figured, well, why not like give him a name? The name that I gave him is Cousteau. Like Jacques Cousteau. And here is here is his origin story. When he was a child during World War II. I like to I like to think of like Mike Joes as kind of like Vietnam era dudes, like the early guys like Stalker, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, all them. So back in World War II as a child, he fought in the French resistance. He was part of 
He was part of Jacques Cousteau's troop. If you don't know, Jacques Cousteau was in the French Resistance. Dude, dude is dope. So he was part of, he was part of Cousteau's troop as a child, as a child soldier. And then he fought in Korea and he fought in Vietnam. And now he is a mercenary, a French mercenary that sometimes fights for Joes. Sometimes he fights for Cobra. And the name Cousteau is kind of like people poking fun at him because the the one thing they find to be like an identifying trademark is, oh, you worked with Jacques Cousteau? What's up, Cousteau? What's up, Frenchie? But I I like him, man. I, I, I had considered him to be like a Joe, I guess because he had like Dial Tone's head. But when, when the wife saw him, she's like, that homie looks like Saddam Hussein. There's no way he's a good guy. So I decided that he's like... He's like an in-betweener. He's a tweener. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad, depending on who pays him the most. I, 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 I don't know. If you guys want to see him, look at the thumbnail for this episode, and it's a picture of my bro Cousteau, the latest, the latest addition to my G.I. Joe uh, action figure ensemble. Should I put him on the Joe side of my collection or on the Cobra side? I think right now I'll put him on the Joe side. Then later, I'll put him on the Cobra side. Honestly, I'll put him on whatever side I have. I have more room for. If if you have some G.I. Joe parts, consider doing this. It's kind of kind of a fun project. And when you're done, you have like an all-new dude. You have an all-new guy. I wonder how he lost his arm. I'm going to say he lost his arm during Vietnam. It was chopped off by a by some VC when he wouldn't he wouldn't give up the uh, the data that they wanted him after they captured it him. It is wild how uh, Dial Tone looks a lot like Saddam Hussein. Go and look at a picture of Dial Tone right now. He also, I gave him a grenade launcher. I think it's the grenade launcher that came with Gung Ho. I have um, a bin of weapons. And I think this is Gung Ho the Marine's uh, grenade launcher. I like it when dudes have two weapons. It makes makes for a neat display. But there he is. My dude, Cousteau, the latest edition. All right, guys, we're going to get up out of here. We'll be back in a couple days. I would appreciate any questions you got. Hit me up at Icy Robots. Hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Icy Robots. I think, I think in the next episode, we're going to answer a question from friend of the show, Sean. He, he hit me up on Facebook and he wanted to know what my experiences with local uh, video arcades were in Northern California and like different places I played arcade games back in the day. This is a good one. This is a good one. I'm looking forward to uh to breaking this down and talking about that. I think I think I'll be back on Monday. That should be the next episode. I hope you guys survive through the weekend. I hope you have a good time. I hope you're doing well. When we get back, I think we're going to I think we're going to officially start our uh our workout initiative. We're all at home. We can all do some working out. We can all do some exercise, and it's going to be a good time to improve ourselves. And I, I want to be part of that. I want to help you guys be the best you that you can be. You want to come out of this. You want to come out of this quarantine being a better person than when you went in. Don't let this get to you. Like I like to say, do the time. Don't let the time do you. Time seems hard right now, but you got to believe things are getting better. Birds are migrating again. Rains are back. Stuff's, stuff's getting better. Things are getting better. This has been an IC Robots radio production. 